Thank you, Combs family. Thank you guys for ministering and for having to sing on one mic. That's pretty good. Even though we heard both parts with one mic, you guys did a great job. Thank you very much. I remember last time I was here, uh, they were here, and I stayed for just a little bit at the end because we've got a four-hour drive on the way home tonight. And uh, anyway, so I'll probably do the same tonight, stay for a little bit, and then we'll scoot our, uh, our truck back to Macon, Georgia. It is good to be with you. It is a joy to be here. I'm thankful for your pastor. I love Brian Sams. His passion is obvious. His love for God is evident, and I'm not saying that for any other reason, just to say that I realize I believe that with all of my heart. I love you, buddy, and I thank you for what you're doing. And uh, you guys, I know, are appreciative of having a good pastor and a good wife, and we thank you for what you're doing here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Zachary and Peyton Gallatin, good to see you guys. They were at Mikado Baptist Church uh, for a while, and uh, we're glad that uh, you're in a good church, but I'm hoping you get back to a really good church uh, at some point in your life. And so if you ever move back to Macon, you know, you remember where we're at, but uh, they're in a great place. Good to have my youth pastor, Dave Fox. Uh, Dave has uh, been our youth pastor for two years, three years now. Time flies. David pastors about 100 young people on a regular basis each week. He and his wife and just does a phenomenal job, and we're thankful. I appreciate you riding with me, Dave. He's been a good friend and love him very much. Well, take your Bibles. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, if you will, in the Word of God, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. I asked uh, your pastor, I said, okay, what, what should I preach? You never know when you go to a place, you say, okay, what are you looking for? You know, the Bible's got 66 books in it. So you're asking yourself, okay, what's, what should I preach? And, and your pastor kind of guided me and said, hey, I'd love to, to hear a message on the topic that you're about to hear tonight. So I pray that tonight's message will be a help. It'll be a blessing to you. By the way, whenever I preach, I don't preach with the thought in my mind that I've arrived in this topic. I've not arrived. My topic I'm about to give you doesn't mean that I have an S on my chest because I'm Mr. Super Christian and I got it and I'm, I'm 100% you know, the best guy at it. That is not the case in my life. I'm working hard to practice what I preach. It's one thing to talk about it, guys. It's another thing to live it. Somebody said this, your walk walks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And if you didn't get that, maybe you can watch the video later on. Truth of the matter is, what you say out of your mouth ought to be backed up by what, what you do with your walk. That's the bottom line. I believe every Christian ought to stand up courageously and unashamedly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Frederick the Great invited some important people one day to his royal table. And the invitation, to one of his generals, Hans von Zieten, declined the invitation. He was going to go to take communion at his church that night, and when they got together again with the Frederick the Great there and all of his generals at a, at a later date, the Frederick the Great started making fun of Hans von Seton. He made fun of his religion, fun of him going for communion that night, and Hans von Seton, they said, stood up, and he said, my Lord... There is a greater king than you, a king whom I have sworn allegiance to even unto death. He said, I am a Christian man and I cannot sit quietly as the Lord's name is dishonored and his character belittled. And the guest trembled in silence. They knew all Frederick the Great had to do was do this. And Hans von Seton would die that night. But instead they say that the great Frederick the Great walked over to his general. He put out his hand. And he said, sir, he said, I am so sorry 
for what I have done. I will never, ever do that again. I wish I had more men like you. And maybe as I read that illustration, I thought to myself, maybe Hans von Zieten got just a little dose of what Paul had when he said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the reason we are in 1 Thessalonians is because there's a group of people in a town like Jacksonville, Florida, who got pumped up and fired up about the gospel. I ask you tonight. When's the last time you shared your faith with anybody? If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, if you can say, hey, I know I'm going to heaven not on how I feel, but because what Christ has done in me, it's all Christ. If you've been saved, there ought to be some evidence of you being a good commercial for Jesus Christ. I said, hey, I'm not perfect at this. But I'm telling you, the Lord is kicking my backside if I can say that as I get older, I'll be 59 next month. And I realize, Rusty, there is a lost and a dying world out there that needs Jesus Christ. What am I doing? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to follow along with me. Look in verse number 5. The Bible says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we are among you for your sake. Now this is Paul talking. He's walked into the city of Thessalonica. He's got Silas and Timothy, his two buddies with him and they're walking in there with one goal and that's to share their faith. That's what they're doing. The Bible says in verse number six, and ye, who is ye? That's the people in Thessalonica. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord. Now look what happens, verse 6. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad. This is absolutely incredible. So that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves, verse 9, Show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Verse number six, hit reverse, follow along with me. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. I want to preach to a simple message that I've entitled, I am not ashamed. Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given me here at River City Baptist Church. Thank you for these dear people and the blessing of being with my good friend, Brian Sams. Thank you, Lord, for the music of the Combs family and the worship already tonight. And God, I pray that the Word of God will not fall on deaf ears. I pray we'll be sponges. I pray we'll soak up truth, God. And I pray as a result of tonight, not because Rusty Smith is a great preacher, because I'm not. I pray, Father, as a result of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that we will walk out of here realizing, God, there is a duty for every single one of us to do. Help us, Father, to follow you closely and help us, Father, to one day hear, well done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm not a long preacher. I want to give you four characteristics of a church that we're not ashamed if you take notes. Let me, by the way, let me say this. The word ashamed comes from a Greek word, and it means disfigured. It's the same word that is used of lepers in the New Testament, that whenever they would walk around, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, and many times would cover themselves because nobody would want to see a nose falling off, an ear falling off, a digit falling off of your hand, and that's the word for ashamed in Romans 1.16. It means disfigurement. 
Paul Harvey said this. He said, I've seen a lot of Christians with healthy bodies who are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you four characteristics of a people or a church that were not ashamed. Number one, look in the word of God. We just read it, verse number six. They identified with the Savior. Now look at the text here. We're going to walk right along through the text. The Bible says in verse six, and ye became followers of us. The word follower means to closely imitate it has with it the idea, and you've probably played this before, you've probably done Simon Says. Anybody ever played Simon Says? Raise your hand if you will. Simon didn't say. You're all out of the game. Whenever Simon said something, you have to raise your hand. Simon Says, raise your hand. Simon Says, put it down. What's happening? You are imitating. You are following a leader. When I was a, 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 young, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I would tell the teenagers or tell the kids when I was a children's pastor, I want you to follow Pastor Rusty. And I may get a couple kids, and man, if I walk straight, they'd walk behind me. If I turn right, they'd turn right. If I turn left, they turn. They were imitating what I was doing. The word follower in verse number six simply means you became imitators, followers, whatever Simon said or what Jesus says, you did. They identified with the Savior. I traveled neighborhood Bible time back in 1985 or 84. I was at Tennessee Temple University back when the school was really strong and going strong. And I went to neighborhood Bible time. It's a, it's a program where evangelists would go out and conduct vacation Bible school. Well, we would have to wear on airplanes these suits. We always had to wear a suit and tie. I'm so thankful for no ties. But anyway, we would wear a suit and tie. And Brother Holmeser, Charles Holmeser, don't know if you ever knew him, Charles Holmeser would make us wear these ribbons. And huge ribbons. I mean pink and blue and yellow. And on the name tag above the ribbon would be Mr. Rusty. That's my name. So here I am, imagine this. I'm in a business suit, preacher. And I'm going onto this airplane, and I'm trying to look dignified, and I've got this long, stupid-looking ribbon thing hanging down from me with Mr. Rusty on it. What do you want me to do? Identify with Neighborhood Bible Time. I'm a big sports fan. Last night was a hard night for an Atlanta Braves guy. Sir, please, if you're for the Phillies, you can leave now. <laughs> it was a very hard night for a Braves fan. I have... I, I, I just said, come on, man. Anyway, the best record in baseball, and then we blew it. But I'll never forget a game I was watching. It was the Atlanta Falcons, and they were playing the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. CBS had, it, had it camera, their cameras out there. And I watched as CBS is panning the stadium in Minnesota, and it is, there is a sea of purple and yellow Minnesota colors. I mean, they're going across slowly, and then the camera stops, preacher. And right in the middle of all this purple and yellow are two guys decked out in red and black. They're Atlanta Falcons fans. Man, they didn't care what anybody thought. They didn't care if, 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 if everybody and the stadium was against them. Why? They had identified with the Atlanta Falcons, and they said, man, we are going to support them. Listen carefully. Have you identified with the Savior? To the point where you say, you know what, I'm not ashamed of him. I am thankful for him. I am thankful for what he's done in my life. That's what happened to a group of people in Thessalonica. And that's what can happen to a group of people in Jacksonville, Florida, or Macon, Georgia, my friends. What happened? They received him with gladness. Now look at the text here. Look what it says, if you will, please, in verse number six. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Get it now with joy. 
Now, the word received is very interesting in the Greek, and I'll illustrate with your pastor. He's been so gracious through the years. I, I appreciate you, man. I love you, brother. You're a blessing. This is really getting awkward, man. You can let go of my hand. Really, it's getting awkward right now. The word receive means to seize a hold of. It means to not let go. In other words, when Brian and I shake hands, and I mean, it's really just for a short amount of time. If I keep holding my hand, his hand, then it gets awkward. These guys didn't care at Thessalonica how much they held on to Jesus Christ and what he'd done in their life. When they received him, they received him with gladness and with joy. They didn't want to let go of what Jesus Christ had done in their life. But then number two, they realized the cost. You say, why? Because in much affliction. Look in chapter 2 with me. Let your fingers do the walk and go to chapter 2, if you will, and verse number 2, and look what the Bible says. The Bible uses the word in 1 Thessalonians 2, 2, and he says it again. He uses the word affliction. He says, if I can get my Bible to turn here, there we go. But even, even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. Look in chapter 2, verse number 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of us, and the Bible says, and of the, in the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye suffered, verse 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? So many times you and I serve God when things are going great. Health is fine. Bank and, uh, money in the bank account. Kids are obeying us. Nobody's disobeying. Hey, everything is good. Job is fine. But what happens when the bottom drops out? I mean, my wife and I, and we're not, we're not Billy Bible and Susie Scripture by no means, but we're praying for the people in Israel, specifically the Christians. Can you imagine what they're going through? People just like me and you who claimed the same Jesus Christ as they did, he's not, he's, he hasn't changed. It's the only way to get to heaven. And those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in much affliction, so many times people are standing up for God. And you and I melt like a snowman in a heat wave sometimes when the pressure is on. They realize they identified with the Savior in much affliction. When's the last time you and I had to suffer? I have a private pilot's license. I enjoy flying. But can you imagine me going on a Delta flight? And I'm sitting there in my seat. And the lady, the, the flight attendant walks up to me and she has this, what looks like a backpack, and she hands it to me and she says, I want you to put this thing on. Doesn't tell me what it is, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to put this thing on. Number one, I'm not in first class, so I'm in coach, and the seats are almost in front of my face anyway. If the guy puts his seat back, then I'm going to be eating it, it anyway. There's no way I'm going to put this backpack on. I can't even put my tray table down if I put this back. And I, and I hold on to it. And she comes by again. She says, uh, Mr. Smith, I thought I told you to put that on. And I said, ma'am, I said, I just don't know that I should put this on because I'm, I'm tight as it is. And she says this. She gets closer to me and says, Mr. Smith, this plane is going down. That's a parachute. I don't care if the man pulls his seat back into my face. I don't care if I can ever get my tray table down. I'm going to put that parachute on because I have what is going to save me. My friend, you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have been born again, you have what will save other people, the power of God into salvation. And I don't care, my friend, if it's uncomfortable, if you live in Haiti, I don't care. We have what will save people in much affliction. They identified with the Savior. What has scared you from making a difference 
and a dent in somebody's life. They identified with the Savior. They received him with gladness. They realized the cost. But number two, look at verse number seven. Not only did they identify with the Savior, they influenced the saints. Look at verse seven with me. This is incredible when you think about this. So that ye were in samples to all that, what's the next word? Believe. In other words, he says, hey, you guys were a model for other people to follow. I mean, they could see you. When you think of the word in sample, it really means like blueprint. I, uh, my wife enjoys doing puzzles. And uh, do we have any puzzle people in the house? You like to do a puzzle every now and then? Well, come on, it's okay. It's not a non-manly to do that. And, and she'll have the box right there. You know why she has the box? It's the example. It helps her know where pieces go. Ladies, you may remember some of you, you older ladies, forgive me, you may remember the butterick patterns that were out there. Anybody ever cut, you know, your own, make your own clothes back in the day? A couple ladies are getting that one, and you had to put a piece of cloth around this crinkly little brown paper, and you took your scissors, and you cut along lines. What was that? That was, that was simply a pattern. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? The truth of the matter is they were a pattern. They were the, the box there for the puzzle of others to follow. In other words, they weren't arrogant. They simply said, hey, we love Jesus Christ so much that if you'll follow in our tracks, you'll see what it means to share our faith. Not only were they a model for others to follow, it was made known to all. Now look at the text here, verse number seven. There's a key little word there, and I just said it. So that you were in samples to all that believe. My mom is a soul winner. My mom is in our church. My dad is too. They're 82 and 81. And uh, my mom carries everywhere she goes. My brother died. I think I shared that story to, uh, with you last time I was here when he was 44, sudden heart attack, very successful. And so my mom carries a track that my dad wrote with my brother's picture on it. She carries other gospel tracks. She goes and shares the gospel everywhere. Well, one day, they're living in Danielsville, Georgia. She gets a phone call, and it's a wrong number. Now, usually if we hear a wrong number, we're going to say, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. We're going to hang up. Not mom. Mom took it as an opportunity. And she could tell the lady was distraught on the other end of the phone. My mom led that lady to the Lord on the phone. Wrong number. That's not the whole story. My mom sends me a card. This is the literal card when my mom sent me. And she sent me the picture because mom went to visit the lady who had the wrong number on the phone, and this is the picture of the lady who got saved, and she says in the card, Rusty, I wanted you to know this lady was 92 years old. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? I'm simply saying, if you are serious about what God has done, you will make it known to everybody that God gives you a God moment. Are you with me? She made known to everybody. I... um, just went with my son recently to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We went and watched the Georgia Tech losers uh, play. And uh, he's been a Georgia Tech Yellow Jack fan because of my, my brother-in-law for years. And they're just really our losers. They're smart losers, but they're losers. And so we went to the game there. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is amazing. Can you imagine if we're in the stadium and I reach into my pocket and I pull out a, a, a mini mag light. Some of you guys remember that uses a AAA battery, just a little tiny flashlight. And I turn that, that little thing on and I just shine it all around the stadium. Ain't nobody going to see that. 
But let's say they have an emergency and every light goes out in the stadium, including the emergency lights. And I turn on my one little AAA battery mini mag light. Let me tell you, eyeballs are going to be on me. You are lights in a dark world, my friend. We have no idea who's looking at us. This little light of mine, as I learned when I was a kid, I'm going to let it, what's the next word? Shine. In the text here, they influenced the saints. In the text here, they identified with a Savior. Number three, their involvement was not secretive. Look at verse number eight with me, please, in the text. Look what he says. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. They recognized their personal responsibility. Now, now watch me here. The Bible says this, for from Pastor Brian sounded out. Doesn't say that. For from, sir, what's your name? Larry sounded out. Doesn't say that. The truth of the matter, it says, for from you. You say, who is you? You is you, and you is you, brother Larry, and you is me, if that's bad English, and you is you out there. The Bible says that they said, for from you. They recognized the responsibility to share their faith wasn't on the heels only of Rusty Smith or of Brian, the pastor. It is on everybody. For from you sounded out the gospel. Do you realize survey was done that 95% of people have never won anybody to Christ? 95% of Christians have never won. You know why? Because many times we're scared half to death. They recognize their personal responsibility. Number two, they repeated the gospel continuously. Look at the word here in the text here, verse number seven, or verse number eight. For from you sounded out, probably my favorite football player to watch, was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. Peyton Manning was one of these guys who made the word Omaha famous. More famous than Omaha Steaks, Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha. And whenever Peyton Manning would get behind the line, he would watch as he's behind center, he'd watch the defense. He'd see the setup and he'd call an audible. And the audible would sound something like this. No, 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 no. You guys know the guys on the sidelines of NBC and CBS and Fox Sports had the little cereal bowl things that would pick up all the sound, you know, the clear bowl looking things. And whenever Peyton Manning would get up behind the line, he'd get up behind the line and say, Omaha, 43, 27. He'd be looking back and forth. That's the idea of the word sounded out. It doesn't mean you shove it down this lady's throat, but you got to say it where she can hear it you got to at least say something. The Bible says that not only did they understand their involvement was not secretive, they recognized they were personally responsible. Number two, they repeated the gospel over and over again. And I wrote down number three as I studied this. They refused to let anything stop them. You say, how do you know it? Two words. Every place. Wherever they went, they shared their faith with everybody. You know what we fear? We fear reaction, don't we? 
Man, if I share the gospel with somebody, then, you know, truth of the matter is, they're going to, they're going to not like it. I was in CVS the other day, and I handed out a, a, an invite to Mikado to a guy, and I said, hey, I'm the pastor of Mikado Baptist Church, and I said, uh, uh, I, I, I made a decision that I'm going to invite one person today to church, and you're my one. By the way, I made that decision several months ago. Now, I'm a pastor. I preach for a living. I get paid to do this. I preach for a living. I give the gospel every week, just like your pastor does. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes I would look at that and think, well, I'm off the hook. I did it on Sunday. And God said, no, your hook is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I made a decision. I said, I'm going to take a gospel track, and every day, every day, I'm going to invite one person to church. I've decided that. And here's my line. I'm Rusty Smith. I'm pastor of Mikado Baptist Church, and I made a decision to invite one person a day, and you're my one. It's amazing the responses I get. I've only had one negative response. That was the guy in CVS. I said that exact same thing, and he looked at me and said, I'm an atheist. And I said, atheists are welcome at Mikado. We'd love to have you. He still didn't take the track. The one I gave with today, this morning, was a lady at FedEx. I said, ma'am, thank you for going the extra mile. I put a $5 bill in there. Now, again, I'm not trying to bribe her to salvation. That won't get anybody to heaven. But I want her to know that, hey, I care about you. And my friend, it's amazing what's been happening because of that one moment. I mean, when I've just said, hey, I want to give a gospel track out to one person a day. That's the idea of every place. And again, I'm not the poster child for it. I make mistakes and I mess up. They decided they were not going to let reaction stop them. They were not going to let ridicule stop them. They were not going to let the rejection sometimes stop them. They realized they had a personal responsibility to share their faith. I stop and ask you this. When's the last time that you at River City Baptist Church got one of these things that a track rack out front is full of? And you grabbed a stack and you said, hey, my name's Larry. And I go to River City Baptist Church, and I made a decision to give one of these out a day, and you're my one. It's all you got to do. It's all you got to do. Can you imagine, pastor said you've had over 100 people join in the last 18 months. Can you imagine what would happen if you, the church, got excited about church? I mean, I'm not saying you're not. He hasn't filled my ear with anything. I'm just saying it works. This is the Mikado track that I give out every day. It works, my friend. I was in the, I was in the doctor's office go, uh, the other day, and I was talking to a buddy of mine in a big Southern Baptist church. He's their recreation director, John, John Kitchens. And we're talking back and forth, and, and I said, hey, uh, you know, here's our youth group, and here's what's going on. And he was telling me about his church, and a guy with a long ponytail walks out of the other waiting room, He said, guys, would you forgive me? I was eavesdropping on your conversation. I said, you can eavesdrop all you want. He said, I heard you talking about church. And he said, said, you know, I've got a daughter who who needs a youth group. I happen to have my one little track here because I thought I'm going in the doctor's office. I may see somebody. And I put my little track. I pulled it out of my back pocket. I said, here, I'm Rusty Smith, and I'd love to invite you. The truth of the matter is John Fogle came to Mikado Baptist Church as a result of that track. Yeah. John Fogle got saved at yeah. Mikado Baptist Church right. as a result. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Again, I don't have any magic touch. 
It's just a little widow's mite. If she can do it, so can you. All you got to do is just be willing to say, hey, I'm not going to let anything stop me. I want to be God-led, but you know what? I'm going to share my faith. They identified with the Savior. Number two, they influenced the saints. Number three, their involvement was not secretive. And number four, and we're going home, or we're going to hear some good more music. Their intensity was sincere. Why did they do it? Would you please look in verse number 9 and let your eyes lock on to 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols. They remembered their past. Sir or ma'am, I ask you, what has God saved you from? You may not have some record that that looks like I was in drugs and I did this. Some of you may. You may have a record that may be as clean as it could be, but you were a sinner, as we all are. And God saved you from your sin. They realized what God had done. They remembered their past, and they had to share it with somebody. Let me tell you, friends, I enjoy McDonald's. I probably shouldn't. We stopped at Chick-fil-A because it's the best place, in my opinion, and they got great service. So we stopped at Chick-fil-A, coming here. But I love McDonald's. Back in the day, uh, I would play the McDonald's Monopoly game. Anybody remember that one? Man, you get all the little peel-off stuff, you know. And and if you get Boardwalk and Park Place, you get a million bucks, 50000 a year for 20 years. That's how they do it. And so I remember one day I'm in the McDonald's and I've got all the board covered, you know. Uh, I've got B&O Railroad and Short Line and I've got all the greens, most of them. I'm, I'm one short in all of them. I've got B&O Railroad, or excuse me, I've got, board, I've got Park Place and I'm waiting for Boardwalk and there's only eight Boardwalks that are out there and I started to pull it off and my heart started to skip a beat. And Zachary, I saw B-O-A-R-D-W-A-L-K, and I'm saying, no way. Preachers don't win anything. They have to give money. And I pulled it off. I said, it's amazing. 50000 for 20 years. Pretty good retirement, not bad. So I went out and bought what I always wanted to buy. I bought a, a brand new red Corvette. Gorgeous Corvette, black interior, candy apple red on the outside, beautiful, beautiful Corvette. And I drove that to church the next day, and I had one of my deacons walk up to me, and he said this. He said, that's amazing, preacher. <laughs> Incredible car. He said, where'd you get it? I said, I don't know. I'm wearing some Hart Shafter and Mark suits, you know, some really nice suits, you know, without a tie. I'm wearing these fancy duds, you know, and somebody, my church member who's a class, classy dresser walks up to me and says, where'd you get that nice suit, preacher? And I say, I don't know. He said, preacher, what are you getting at? I didn't win $50,000 in case you're wondering for 20 years, and that's a false story. But if I did, I would let people know that I'd won. And if you've been born again, my friends, you are hiding the best news that's ever been told. How about sharing it with somebody? How about saying, hey, I can at least pass out a track, even if I can't say anything. They remembered their past. Number two, they realized their purpose. What was their purpose? Look at the text there. It's so clear in verse 9. The last part of it, it said, how you turn to God from idols. That was their past. Their purpose now was to serve the living and the true God. That's our purpose, folks. That's what it's about. I'll never forget I was 
on a youth activity, and we were in Oberg, Gatlinburg. That's where you go when there's, you know, you don't want to go way out west to go snow skiing. And Oberg, Gatlinburg is where a youth pastor takes his group of people and uh, teenagers, you know, and they have man-made snow there, and you hope it's not just ice. So we go there, and, and I, all of our teens are out on the slope, and me and my, 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 my guy, my special speaker, are sitting by the fire, and we're in the little area there. We're sitting by the fire, and a guy walks up to us, and he's got a name tag on, his name is Carl. Greasy hair, pimples all over his face that needed to be popped. Too much information. I mean, just rough looking dude. He walks up to me and my buddy Tim, and the Holy Spirit impresses upon me, Dave, to say, man, why don't you witness to the guy? Well, I didn't, because I'm busy with my, my special speaker. So we talk, we blow it off with Carl, we small talk a little bit, he goes off, we ski, we get back in, it's cold, we come in by the fire again, guess who walks up? Carl, greasy-headed, pimple-faced guy, looked like he worked at a fair, at a carnival, started talking to us a little bit more, and the Holy Spirit said, Smith, witness to him, didn't do it. It's getting near the end of the day, we come back to the same spot by the fire, guess who walks up? Carl. Same pimples, same greasy hair, hadn't gone home to wash it. He comes back, and the Holy Spirit says, Smith, witness to him. And I didn't. And Carl said something to me and Tim that I will never forget. And he said, are you guys preachers? And I said, yes, we are. He said, I have questions about the Bible. Can you help me? And I'm telling you, Brian Sams, it was as if the Holy Spirit kicked me in the gut and said, all right, Smith, since you won't go to him, I'm bringing him to you. We don't get any credit in heaven. No stars, no, no notches in our belt for Carl. Carl got saved that day, but I wasn't listening. And so many times, my friends, God brings people into our lives. The question is, do we listen? I mean, think about it. People that you pray for, people at work, people at school, people in college, people who need Jesus Christ, all they need to see is somebody who loves them, somebody who will care about them, somebody who may decide, hey, I want to share a track, I want to just share something, I want to tell you about Jesus, what he's done for me. They need somebody. It's amazing to me that a guy in hell, in Luke chapter 16, had more, an evangelist, more of an evangelistic spirit than many of us ever do because he told, the rich, he told Lazarus, he said, I got five brothers. Would you please go tell them lest they come to this place? God help us. Stories told of a man back in the old railroad days. This was before they had the railroad crossings and the lights that would flash and he had a big farm, and behind his farm, about 200 yards behind his barns, was a, a railroad track that crossed a, a, a road. It wasn't a major road, but just a, a road. And, and his job that the government paid him to do, just a little stipend, was to go twice a day and, and warn people, because the train came by at the same time, warn people that, hey, a train's coming. And he would stand out there. If a car came, he'd stop it and say, hey, just a minute, the train is coming. That was his job, just a small part of his day. He'd done it for years, once in the day, once in the middle of the night. He did it like clockwork. And one night, he didn't hear the little alarm that he had wound up beside his bed. He got up because he was used to getting up anyway, and 
he threw his overalls on and he went back out to to grab the lantern that he'd always taken out there with him at night and he started to to go out toward the to that old worn path that he worn so so i mean down to dirt the railroad tracks were here and he thought to himself hey i'm you know no big deal nobody ever comes at night and he heard the, the train whistle and as he got closer to his horror he saw headlights and he picked up his pace a little faster, a little faster, and he thought to himself, surely, surely we're not going to have an issue here. And he saw the train coming, and he saw the car coming, and he thought to himself, man, I've, I've got to do everything I can to get there. And, 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 he, and he picked up his pace faster and faster and faster, and finally he got closer, and he started waving that lantern, waving that lantern, and waving that lantern. And to his horror, he watched as that train barreled into that car and killed the occupants immediately inside was taken to the little courtroom in his town and the judge was his friend everybody knew everybody back in that town his friend the judge judge who he'd hunted with bird hunted with spent time with had the jury there and they were in the the jury the the, the jury there a booth over on the side and the judge asked his friend the farmer he said i've got one question for you sir he said were you there on time his friend looked at the, the judge, the farmer looked at his friend, the judge, and he said, he said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I was there on time. They grilled him. I mean, the jury was asking questions, and they grilled him, because how in the world could this happen? And the judge asked him one more time, he said, before we close for adjourning, he said, I want to ask you, we've been friends forever. He said, I want you to tell me the truth. you sworn under oath, were you there on time? The old farmer looked at him, and he shook his head. He said, I was there on time. They acquitted him. They let him go. Several years later, the farmer is not going to be on the earth very long. His judge is at his deathbed. He says, I just want to ask you one more time. It doesn't matter. You're going to die. It doesn't matter. You've been acquitted. But I've just wondered because you're a man of character. Do you mind if I ask you one more time? Were you there on time? And the old farmer in his deathbed said this, I was there on time, but my lantern wasn't lit. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. There's just one track, one a day, but it makes you get up in the morning thinking, who can I invite to River City and maybe to Jesus? Will you join me? Take the challenge and say, I'm not ashamed. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be at River City Baptist Church once again. Thank you, God. For the word of God that absolutely radically changes our life if we'll let it. Lord, I'm thankful for a group of people in a town called Thessalonica that listened. They listened to the word of God. They listened 
to three preachers, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and God, you radically changed their lives, and they spread it everywhere. God, I just happen to believe that tonight there's a group of people who can make a commitment at River City Baptist Church that they will at least try one a day, whether they're in college or high school or young people or whether they're older or in between, one person a day just simply take a, a few tracks and say, God, I want to make a difference. God, I don't want to be ashamed of what you've done in my life. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Christ. I'm going to turn it over to the pastor in just a moment. But friends, if God is dealing in your heart, would you take the challenge? Would you say with Paul, I'm not ashamed. Would you say with a group of people in Thessalonica, I want to share my faith with everybody in every place. I challenge you. It's worth it, my friend. As Brother Brian takes over the invitation, would you listen to God tonight?